0: Welcome to the Bright Minds of E-commerce Podcast. I'm Dana, founder of Bright Red Marketing, your e-commerce advertising specialists. In this episode, we talk to the founders of the D Cup and Up swimwear line, Lily and Lime, Emma and Ashley. They share their challenges and successes of running a business with your best friend and how they've grown their swimwear line in a niche market. So let's get into it. Welcome to episode 5. Hi, and welcome to the Bright Minds of E-commerce Podcast. Today we're here with Ashley and Emma. Busty besties Emma Jane Hughes and Ashley Hill created Lillian Lime Swimwear in 2016, specifically for the D-Cup and Ups customer, who is vastly underserved, underserved in the global swimwear market. Australian-born Lillian Lime brings style and versatility options to larger busted women all over the world. I'm so happy to have you guys on the show.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks for having us. Yeah, that's uh, pretty exciting. <laughs> Love a- podcast. I'm excited. So tell us a little bit about how Lily and Lime came
2: to be. Well, it's quite a story. We Ash and I have always had big boobs, always been lovers of the beach and pool and never have had really cool bikinis to wear. But we've, I suppose we've always just dealt with it and never really thought about it. And then in 2012, we were at a good, well, my best friend and Ash's sisters in law's hens do together. And we were lying by the pool having a bit of a recovery session. And all of our friends were wearing really nice bikinis, just looked really cute and good. And I was wearing a bikini from Top Shop with like a size 18 top because that would the only top that size I would fit my beards. And it would have to be tied at the back because it had a clasp, but I couldn't use a clasp because it's too big. And a pair okay.
1: of bottoms that
2: I had to like swap out and. It, they weren't the right size and ash was wearing i think i was wearing my
1: old faithful that's um yeah <laughs> you get the same one every year in a different color maybe not something that i particularly liked but it was a style that fit and you know did the job so it was just the same one year on end
2: <laughs> so we thought like oh there must be a gap in the market but we i mean we didn't it was all an idea. And so we started to do some research. We found that there wasn't anything that we really loved. And we thought, you know, there was definitely a segment of the market that was underserved. And so we just started to, we naively, um, I have a, like a background in fashion, but all marketing. And Ash's background is also marketing, but more the tech side. So we naively thought we were going to get a range out, you know, be live within a year, have a whole range out there, have our patterns developed. And it took us, we actually only launched the brand in 2014. Wow.
1: 16. Yeah.
2: 16, sorry, 2016. So it was four years. So
1: four years. Yeah. Well, four we years. Did, we did have a couple of weddings and a couple of kids in between that. but yes,
0: we did. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine.
2: It was a, a much longer process than we thought. And I think if we'd known how long it would have taken, um, I don't know if we would have had the guts to actually start it.
0: Oh, I wonder. I think that's, it seems to be a really common story, but you don't regret it now. obviously. No, no,
2: no. But I think when you're in it, you're like, and especially before you've actually launched something, when you're developing a product to take such a long time, especially because we were so concerned about having the best fit and our patterns being good because, you know, the market, once they've ordered once from you and if it's, it's not the right fit or if it's not good quality, they're not going to come back and order again. So we needed to get it right first time. And so that is what we spent the longest time doing, perfecting those styles. But I think while we were doing it, before we had a product out there, we were just like, really? Is this, you know, how long is this going to take? Are we ever going to get there? You know, like, are we ever going to have a brand? Are we ever going to have a swimwear line?
1: Yeah. I think in that respect, it was lucky that there were two of us. I know I've spoken to other sort of business owners or that are starting out or up and running. And it's only one of them quite hard to stay motivated when things are taking that long to actually you know get underway so it was good that we had each other to just keep the other one enthusiastic about it or pick up if they were feeling you know low like it wasn't going to work
0: yeah definitely so what's it like because you guys are friends before the business started what's it like going into business with a friend were there any really good moments or any big challenges and how did that all work out for you
1: I don't know. I think we've we've handled it pretty well, hey M, haven't we? Um, We obviously, when we were both based in Brisbane, um, we used to see each other all the time socially, (laughs) and now that we're apart, we see each other, but on FaceTime and (laughs) WhatsApp and all the time as well. I think the, and we we've handled it pretty well. We both, I think, we've learnt to pick our battles.
0: You know, because totally. there's only yeah. two of
1: us. One of us is always going to, if we are not agreeing on something, one of us is always going to have to win, which I think we do that quite well. And the, well, one of the, I would say the biggest stress has probably been putting in our family's money at the beginning, right, Em? Yeah. Yeah. And, but in terms of the business, we we got to a point where we had to divide and conquer and we each sort of take control of separate parts of the business.
0: And I think, did you have you know, contracts and things in, in place or was it just a kind of verbal agreement? Yeah, we
2: do have, we have contracts when we were a partnership, but now we're a company. So it's kind of a different Operate It's set up totally differently. Yeah. But I mean, the most positive part about it is definitely that, you are friends is that you trust each other. I mean, yeah. we trust each other's judgment a lot. And like, and I think that does make it easier when you aren't always going to win the battle. Cause then you, you do actually, you might disagree, but you trust that person's judgment and the, you know, oh. what they are feeling. And they, you think, you know, that, oh. You respect them, I suppose, a bit more than you might if it's just a normal colleague. The negative, I'd say, is probably that we don't get to chat as much as we'd like to socially <laughs> because yeah, when we do speak business now. <laughs> we chat about work a lot because, you know, we have to grab those moments in between. You know, we've both got kids and, you know, the hecticness that comes with that. So I think when we are talking a lot of the time, it is about work. Yeah. But when we do do work trips, we always end up having at least one or two nights where we basically just go out for dinner and go out for drinks and just like chat like catch up and like chat about everything that's happened in the last like six months and we,
1: and we shop and we just yeah <laughs> have a good time
2: hang out so that we get like our fill of like friendship and it's yeah. not all work
1: I think the great thing as well about having a, you know a business partner in a friend is that you really can share the stress I don't know how people do this alone like at least um you know because I'm sure, any business owners or startups out there listening will know like how stressful it is to start your own business. And at least, you know, you can, you know, you're even sort of scared to tell your husband something, but at least I can tell Emma. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. We're in it together and we can message each other at all times of the night, just being like, Oh my, god, what have we done? What are we doing? How are we going to solve this? What's going to happen? And like, you know, if you're on the brink <laughs> of a mini breakdown and you message each other, Normally, one of us is—you know—either you're in it together and you're both feeling like that, or one of us will pull each other up and go, "Don't worry, we've got this. Yeah. We can carry yeah. on. You know, it'll be okay." Someone's got a solution. You've got an extra
0: brain to bounce on. Yeah, I
2: definitely I, I agree with Ash. I think it must be very hard for solo entrepreneurs to be able to do this because it, sharing the burden it helps so much. Even if it, you're not solving it, even just sharing your worries, it just
0: that yeah. like
2: relieves it a bit.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's wonderful. So, I know you guys said that it took about four years to actually launch the brand from, con- from conception, I suppose. Was most of that like a manufacturing supplier issue? A lot of it was finding, firstly, it was finding the right person to
1: obviously do our patterns, our technical patterns. And then, secondly, yeah, obviously, finding a factory is so important and, and crucial, yeah. really, when it gets down to it. It's all, you know, you have to have that great relationship with the factory in terms of payment terms and communication relationship. It's um. It's certainly something you've got to put everything into is finding the right factory.
0: Yeah, so I know that's something a lot of businesses, especially in that sort of startup phase, really struggle with. Do you have any advice for people trying to find either their first factory or they're not happy with their current factory? Well, I mean, I think it, it's
1: actually, it's changed quite a bit since we started looking for a factory, hasn't it? And I think it's a lot easier now than it was you know in 2012 or whenever it was that we first started looking back then emma and i went to a conference like a sourcing conference in sydney and we met with a whole bunch of manufacturers and they had all their products on display and obviously being a niche market we were really looking for someone that had done something with underwire or lingerie or you know and and so it was quite easy to narrow it down Cause I think there are only two places (laughs) in the sourcing conference that actually did had experience with underwire and, and our our size range. So, but now I don't, you know, now you can, you know, there's Alibaba, but that's always been around and you can go and visit China with an agent. It's really important to definitely go to a factory that has been audited. You obviously want to know that they are, you know, they're ethical and, and that, that they really are who they say they are and what they look like. Cause they send all these photos and you know, they might send a brochure or and have a website, but you could go there and it doesn't even it doesn't look anything like it.
2: Yeah. And I think in culturally it's definitely their relationships are, are built on like personal relationships. And so meeting someone in person is really important for them. So I think we were going back and forth for a long time. And when we actually, the first trip to China, we went and we met our factory. It helped so much. We pretty much achieved probably a year's work <laughs> in a week. So I think we, we now make sure that we go, you know, regularly and we actually spend time at the factory. You spend a week there and we basically sit in the boardroom and walk around the factory and you can solve so many issues that arise really quickly, change development on a pattern if something's not working. So I think being visiting a place and having a personal relationship is very important.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that's really good advice. I think everyone kind of thinks they can do everything online, but that makes sense that from a cultural perspective, it really does help just to sit down face-to-face once in a while. I think that with everything though, even like, even
2: now, I mean, obviously it's great because you can do things like over FaceTime and video, which is pretty much, you know, at least you can see the person and get like a gauge on them. But I think nowadays, so often people don't, there is no personal interaction and it really does take away from it. I think as soon as you've like met someone, even if it's just online, you kind of have a better feeling for them and you, it's just your relationship is so much easier. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Is there anything that you wish you'd done differently in that kind of initial process that would have quickened things, I suppose? We
1: should have gone oh, so much. to the factory in 2012. <laughs> That's what we should have done.
2: Yeah. We should have gone straight to a factory. We should have had a pattern grader that we, we should have started with a really good pattern grader, which we got and to eventually, taken which her, is our to China. Rent, But <laughs> Yeah. And just gone straight to China and not faffed around as much as we did. Yeah you know, going back and forth with the samples. That definitely, I think we should have, I think we didn't realize, which again, I suppose we, we didn't have enough knowledge of the of manufacturing process, but we definitely didn't put realistic timelines in. <laughs> we thought that, so I think that would have been helpful if we'd actually known how long it would have I think taken. It, it, um, we had our fabric printed. Yeah. Do you remember, Ash? We had our fabric, so we had our fabrics designed and we had the fabric printed sitting there waiting, but the patterns weren't perfect yet. So by the time we launched, the fabric, the actual prints, we still liked them, but they weren't as on trend anymore because they'd been sitting in the back. we thought we were over there. We'd people. been looking
1: at them for, for years. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely done. wouldn't. I wouldn't develop your uh, prints before you, if you're doing any kind of wear or fashion, I wouldn't develop your prints or your color palette before you've actually perfected yeah. your style.
0: Yeah. Get that done first and then... Yes, then do it just exactly. in case it has delays. Yep. Yes. We never did this route, but
1: I think if I were looking for a factory for the first time, I would, I'd actually go over
0: there and meet with a few.
1: Definitely.
2: No, yeah, I agree.
0: No, I think that's great advice. Wonderful. So moving more into like the, the marketing, you know, how things are done currently. I know that, I mean, I'm, I'm a Facebook marketer. I know that showing women's bodies in anything less than full clothing sometimes causes issues and with you know you're obviously targeting a, a bigger busted market is that something that you've had any issues with with Facebook's kind of censorship so surprisingly we haven't had
1: that many ads not approved and if we do I pretty much just ask for a re- review and yeah. and then they approve it so yeah I'm surprised actually in terms of yes we have skin on show and bodies etc but it's not really like that sexy you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I have noticed that you know, your, your imagery and things is definitely not sexy. I just know that sometimes Facebook gets a bit.
1: Yeah. Sometimes we do. So and you can certainly tell, you, you know, like it would, you know, the photo they're not approving definitely straight yeah. away, but yeah, they've been pretty good. They're really good with reviewing and then approving.
0: Yeah. Is it something that you guys have to think about when, you know, you're doing photo shoots and things, or is it just that your brand isn't pushing that super ultra sexy. So you don't really have to worry about it. Yeah. I would say that's it.
2: Yeah. We try to be as a brand, we're approachable and as real as we can be real women. We are selling to real women. We shoot on real women and we don't retouch. So the whole premise behind that is we want, we don't want you to go into like, you know, see a model somewhere on a model and then go into and try it on yourself in a at home and then be totally shocked and horrified by what you see you know we want it to be a pleasant enjoyable experience and we want to try and show women you know how good you can look and boost their confidence but those images it's like i don't think well we know that most people aren't a size eight so there's no point in pretending really and making yourself feel bad because you're not (laughs) because you know You just be happy with the skin you're in. And that, that is a really hard thing to do, but we really do try and, you know, project that confidence and help people feel good about themselves.
0: I love that. Yeah. I mean, obviously everything that you guys do is very body positive focused. It sounds like that's just something natural and organic for you rather than anything that's been really thought. It's not like it's a marketing tactic. I think is what I'm trying to say. Is there any challenges that you've had with that? It definitely wasn't like a marketing tactic that we thought about i think subconsciously
2: both ash and i've been self-conscious about our own bodies mm-hmm. because we could never find someone that fitted us and it's almost like you're not accepted or you're not mm-hmm. thought of as part of it so i think when we went about we about you know creating the brand and the line we really wanted everybody to well as many people as possible to feel included and accepted. So I think it was our own almost insecurities and in how we had been treated or felt that we projected onto it. And we never actually even thought about it. We never really spoke about body positivity then. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really a buzzword as much. Kind of we chose real women because we wanted launched. It's become exactly. a, a thing, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah. And a lot of bigger busted women are curvier. So naturally our yeah. models were curvier. And I think we wanted to show it on different size models. So I think that, and that was just like our own, from our own point of view, we wanted, you know, to be able to show that. So it just organically yeah. happened. And then I think now we've had to, I think the hardest thing, well, for me personally, anyway, is we've had to embody what we're saying. So we've had to become a lot more body positive ourselves. And like, I've had to, I would never have taken photos of myself in a bikini on the beach and um, post it on social media before Lily and I. Uh, There's no ways, and so we've had to learn how to break. do that almost and how to be exactly and be happy about Not it. In and I still know, struggle with this. Emma's like,
1: "Come on, you have to do a video today, an Insta story." <laughs> I'm like, "No, please, no! I just can't bear it." I'm, I was, I was just in. It is It's really a holiday, and you know, my friends
0: like, "Come on, go get photos." You know, for your Instagram. I'm like, oh we you have to do socials yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is really tough though i think yeah but i think if you don't do it yourself it, it's quite hard to be
1: authentic and we also have you know to, and understand yeah, we have, have to what practice people. what we preach and you know our best thing is when okay. we get tagged uh, customer with you know on the beach with their kids or with their friends and so we have to do it too just to encourage people to you know do the same and send it in to us yeah no, that's wonderful. That's wonderful.
0: Alrighty. What do you wish someone would have told you before launching?
1: So many things, so many
0: things, how long it was going to take,
1: how hard it was going to be, <laughs> how much it was going to cost. <laughs> no,
2: I think that you're not going to be an instant success. I wish someone had explained to me because you watch or you see or you read depending on whatever you media you consume and these like unicorn companies or these, you know, like companies. And it looks like a lot of even, you know, other brands have been around. You might just find out about them. You think that they've been an instant success, but when you look into them or you hear the founder talk about them, they've been working on this for like 10 years or five, you know, there aren't many companies that within a year or two are a huge success. And I think we had expectations for the brand that, you know, and we have done really well. If we look back now, whenever we look back, we're really proud of ourselves, you know, what we've achieved. But I think when you're in it, you're always wanting more and that's just the way I think an entrepreneur's brain works. Yeah. You want more, you want it now, why hasn't it happened yeah. last week? But I think to, I wish someone had told me to like celebrate the wins, you know, don't worry, you, it will take a long time but you just kind of got to persevere <laughs> and stay with it. I think grit is, is key, yeah. just sticking with it and through the tough times.
1: Yeah, that's probably I think a few sort of right, things. I think I think very good A that. few things in terms of sort of starting up as a business, maybe don't always, I reckon, set yourself a small salary, put that in your budget, and new plan. And even if it's small, just stick with it. Once it's there, it's there, it's not going to go away and you can keep adding to it. I think that's important because Em and I didn't pay ourselves for quite a long time. As well as you can't well, you do as a business owner wear all the hats. But at some point I think you need to start either getting staff or, or outsourcing small things where you can. I mean, for us, for example, it was getting someone to help with our customer service inbox. Yeah, you know, gotta forward think about those things and you, you can't just do everything eventually it's gonna yeah. swallow you up and you're not gonna you're gonna drop the ball on something.
0: Yeah. No, I think both of that, it's it's all very, very good advice. Um, So I appreciate you sharing. If you say your business has, you know, grown since 2016, what have been some of your, your big marketing successes, I suppose? I know that that's something that a lot of people really struggle with is, you know, they launch and then they get their first couple of customers and then they don't really know what to do next to kind of take it to that next level. Or they'll be sort of a little bit more established, but they don't know how to keep growing. So what have kind of been your, your marketing successes?
1: It's
0: definitely changed. Yeah. It's
1: changed over the years.
2: I think in the, when we first launched, we, um, we didn't have a marketing budget as such, and we were trying to, you know, keep our costs down. And so we approached, it was still lingerie bloggers at that time, influencers weren't as big. So we approached quite a lot of lingerie bloggers and gifted them products so that they would review and naturally that organically moved into influencers and we did. We kind of stumbled upon influencers that definitely made a big difference in terms of brand awareness and also sales. So that w- we didn't have that as a strategy necessarily.
1: Yeah. At that time when we were doing it, a lot of posting or influencing was free for product. Now, yeah, it's changed. And I find it, it changes so quickly. It's so fast paced. It's hard to keep up with it.
2: Yeah, so I think that was very key for us. Now we've got a, it's kind of more of an integrated strategy with getting the right customers to our site to be able to remarket to them. And definitely the content that we put out, you know, is more, we're, we're much more focused on who our customer is, who we're talking to, how we go about that, remarketing to them, keeping them part of the tribe, Um, you know, once you sign up for our emails, carrying on, you know, we've got much more sophisticated email marketing. So all of those things have definitely helped. I'd say definitely key wins back then were influencers definitely helped us get started and spread the word and grow our community on Instagram. And we've got a really nice community. It's all the women on there are amazing and they, it's a real feel good and they've got our backs and they defend us and you know, they, they really are amazing brand ambassadors for us. So that has definitely been something that's been a huge success story for us.
1: Yeah. Key sort of photos or, and, and influences that have really, really worked well for us. Um, and then, and then the other thing is PR, exactly PR worked really well for
2: us. It, when we first launched, we didn't have a PR agency. And then we started out with a small, basically working with a small agency and then we kind of gradually moved onto bigger agencies. But we've always been, we've always had some great press stories and that has really helped. You know, you can, we can even pinpoint it down to individual stories or just generally, you know, they embraced us the first season. We put everything out and, you know, there was oh, from body positivity right through to like featuring all the collection, you know, who's wearing it. it. It's just been, I'd say PR is a really good, it feels like an unnecessary expense, but I think you got to believe in it and just if you get the right person.
1: And it's just when you, see, when you see it in place and that momentum that happens along with the you know, online press or you know we were in an article in The Australian on New Year's Eve yeah. and it's, it's just momentum. Just You really see Wonderful. the benefits of it
0: then. All righty, we're getting to the, the pointy end of the questions, I suppose. <laughs> before we started talking before we were recording you were saying that you've had a kind of a, a rough year last year how have you sort of persevered through that i know that you guys have had each other to you know have each other's back but is there any kind of tips for when things get you know a little bit hard i've actually helped,
2: it's helped me a lot listening to other business owner stories to other founder stories yeah podcasts have helped a lot for me um, listening to, you know, how hard it's been for others kind of gives you hope that, you know, you do just need to, if everybody goes through this, you just need to stick with it. It, you know, obviously work on the solutions, but there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's really another thing that to keep your sanity, I'd say like find something that helps you deal with the stress. I think that, yeah, I think both Ash and I exercise and that's kind of our outlet like I've tried to meditate I've tried to do those kind of mindfulness and I can't really you know turn my brain off but I find when I exercise especially when it's a tough session or a run or something I I don't think about anything about that except how hard it is and it definitely helps and you know releases all those endorphins and I feel better about the world afterwards and much more clear-headed so I think that you know finding your techniques that will help you cope in stressful times and just even if you've had no sleep and you've been working like really late at night and you think that actually I've got a million things to do, just go and do whatever that thing is, whether it's like five minutes of meditating or, you know, quickly going for a quick run to just, yeah, clear your head. I think it does make you a better person and a better at work, whether it's at a business or just going to, you know, going to work. I think that definitely helps.
1: I think in terms of like, struggling through the businesses, you've got to, you got to see, okay, okay, what's hard and you have to make a plan to get out of it or, or to get through it at least. And I mean, whether it be financial or whatever it may be, you have to sort of set a plan and go, okay, this, this is what we've got to do. And this is how we're going to get through it. And then eventually we're going to come out on the other side in terms of what Emma's saying about exercise and stuff like that, I think it's also key. I think Emma and I have only actually started doing this in the last 12 months, but it's key to have a holiday and not work. We, I don't think we've done that since 2012. <laughs> well, actually, since we launched, you know, you've always, we've always been on, but in the past 12 months we thought, okay, you're actually taking a holiday and you're actually not going to work. I think it's crucial to do that for yourself, your sanity, and for also your family. It's just its not fair to not be on, not to have a break, just to be constantly entrepreneuring, right, Em? <laughs> yeah,
2: and distracted because you're always thinking of something else, but when you, when you do decide you actually are going to have a holiday and you do switch off, you know, it, I think you, it's much better than trying to half-heartedly work and holiday at the same time and you don't do either very well and just get frustrated and disappointed in the end result and come back and you you know more rested and you know more clear-headed. I don't know, it's kind of counterproductive really. But you feel at the time that you just can't, you know, I don't know, I think you feel that there's so much to do that you just can't leave it, which again, Ash and I are lucky because we have each other. So we can, you know, we know that the other person's going to handle whatever it is that's thrown at them. And if they can't, they'll get in touch kind of thing.
0: I suppose it's another benefit of having a, a partnership that one of you can go on holiday and the other one can go on holiday. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. So we just have a couple of questions that we ask everybody. So I'd love to hear from both of you. Do you have any, you know, strategies, routines, or habits that you follow each day to help you stay on track in business or personal?
1: So I am from another podcast that we, that I listen to. It's called the bite size biz room. She suggested time blocking, Mm -hmm. which I've kind of put, tried to put in place, still getting there, still working it out. But for those things like I do our Facebook advertising, so, you know, set myself dedicated times each day or week or whatever it may be to do that and don't veer out. Otherwise, you know, I get distracted and Em and I also do our Instagram. So plan that out like on a Sunday and I know what I'm doing for the next week. Yeah. Just to try and be Organised with the things that I know are set in stone and they're going to happen, and then everything else, are, you know, just weaves in. Yeah,
2: I'm not nearly as organised as Ash. I, <laughs> um, I try to be, and I try. <laughs> I have a. What about your new inbox tool? I do. I have a new. My inbox is out of control, and anybody who likes a zero inbox would totally freak out about my inbox. I have thousands of emails. There's I'm
0: an inbox zero person.
2: Oh, I would. I used to be that person. Are I you? Can't control my inbox anymore. <laughs> so I've recently adopted, as I said, this a tool called Sanebox, and it is actually helping me. So you can train. You can train different emails to go into different folders it automatically blacklists emails that you don't open a lot and it puts them in a black hole folder. So things like, you know, maybe newsletters or things that you're not really reading anyway, and you just can't be bothered to unsubscribe. So it is, that is actually quite useful. And the other things other than what I've said is, you know, about exercising, I try and sit down and before I start to work, I actually write down key things I need to achieve that day. Like just a few and I don't, I used to set myself a whole long list and now I know it's just unachievable in the amount of time I've got. So I write a few points so that I can cross them off and feel better about myself that I've actually achieved a things. And then I have like a list of other things that, you know, if I get to that day, that's great. And then I move around that list depending on, you know, priorities for the next day. So I try and do that, but I'm definitely not as organized as Ash. I definitely do not plan out the posts (laughs) and I try and be organized, but I don't know. I, yeah, I find, I find organization quite tricky.
1: Yeah. We use have, Trello quite
2: We quite yeah. like, Ash is way more organized than me and she's like a Excel demon and, you know, like very organized tracks, everything. I'm not that person, Sorry. but <laughs> we have implemented lots of things along our business journey as things like Ash was saying, we use Trello a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, yeah. it's like, it's visual. I find that easier for me because it's visual. I find I like to have, things that I can move around and actually see, almost like a mood board. We use WhatsApp, obviously, all the time to communicate. We schedule in like a weekly call so that there's something in the diary. um, What other tools do we use? We've got, I mean, everything of ours is in the cloud. So because we are located where we are, so every, all our systems, you know, you can access from anywhere, which helps a lot, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: You do end up working on your phone a lot though, which I'm now, this year, one of my resolutions is I'm going to try and implement some, you know, guidelines around my phone because I just get sucked into like reading rubbish on, you know, Instagram or Facebook or like seeing something. And then you go down this rabbit hole and it just, it's not good. Yeah.
0: I mean, you'll understand this, Ashley. I just run Facebook ads. So I'm on Facebook all the time. It was very difficult for me to, like, separate the two because I'm always ducking into people's Facebook pages and things and all of a sudden there's news feeds. So <laughs> I've had to be very strict about that. So I understand. i bet. Yeah. my bed. <laughs> yeah.
2: Don't,
0: sort the, of, the don't ten, get diverted? The temptation <laughs> is, um, it's really hard. Yeah, there's a, a Facebook tool actually for anyone who has a similar problem. I can't remember what it's called, um, but okay. I'll link it in the show notes later. But essentially it turns your Facebook news feed into a quote so there's actually uh-huh. nothing ever there. That's pretty cool. ah. That's quite helpful because you can still find people's pages. You can still get your notifications. You can still access the things you need to, but that yep. newsfeed, the, the scroll of procrastination yep. uh, is no longer it's there. Gone. So, is there uh, um, I wonder if there's one for Instagram or if the same thing works. I that would seen be awesome for Instagram, yeah. but there's definitely one for Facebook. I'll have to find it and link it in the show notes. Favorite business books?
2: Ooh. A Shoe Dog, uh. The Nike Story. And, oh,
0: Emma always talks about that. Oh,
2: it's actually really good. I had no idea. You know, it's such an iconic brand and the struggles and the journey. It's really interesting. That's really good. Another one, um, it's actually called Grit. <laughs> it's I love um that book. That's really good. I thought that was, even though it's not, you know, and it can apply to you all your whole life, and even as mm-hmm. parenting. They have that parenting chapter. I found that quite interesting. The other one, actually, that my brother, who was doing his MBA at the time, recommended to ash and i was the founders dilemma but if you're in a partnership or you've already started business maybe don't read the first chapter because the first chapter is like don't go into business with friends or family and i was reading it and we were already like a year or two into our business and that journey and i was like oh okay i'm just gonna skip this chapter because clearly we're we're past but there was loads of other really good bits in
1: there well, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm still struggling with the t- making the time to read a business book. That's funny. Emma keeps saying, no, you can do it here. You can do it then. Just read 10 minutes before you go to bed. So I'm still trying to trying to make that time. I mean, Emma only got me onto podcasts. What, what could it have been about six months ago? Not even. So look, I'll, I'll have to get back to you on my best business book. <laughs>
0: That's okay. We had someone who said they don't even read business books. They just read fiction. They're like, when yeah. I finish business for the day, I just want to not do anything. So uh,
1: there's,
0: there's no... There's uh,
1: no I mean, um, Night book is, is, yeah. will be my first. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to add that one to my list. I think I dip in, in and out. Like I
2: definitely prefer before bed to read fiction because if I'm on holiday, I don't write, mind reading business book because I kind of feel like I'm on a break. But it's quite hard to read. A, actually, the Shoe Dog one, though, you it's more like fiction. But yeah. it's quite hard to read something with loads of um, facts and things you have to think about really hard before you're going to bed because I just find my mind just carries on turning. Then it yeah. doesn't switch off. I get off. too
0: many ideas. I have to read business books during the day. So you can I'm like, write them oh, down. I'm go do yeah, this, so. yeah, I'm yeah. much the same. Favorite podcasts. Ooh. I love more it. personal. Lots of people mentioning crime podcasts. Huh. <laughs> I've seen so many people love crime podcasts. Yeah, I haven't quite do
1: it. I love um, Lady Starter. Yeah, I like um, that one too. For a quick one, I love the Bite Size Biz Room. It's quick, and it's you know, if you're just driving somewhere short, you can just listen to it and it's done. It's great. And then for fun, I like Social Squad. <laughs> okay. I love a bit of. Um, I love a bit of uh, you know, listening to a fun podcast.
2: I love the uh, Raising the Bar, which I mentioned earlier, which is one that I'd actually sent in for a question. That is by the founders Ali Webb and her brother Michael. They started Dry Bar in the US, which is like a blow dry bar, huge franchise. And it's really interesting. They they it's all business focused and all different stages of businesses. And so that I really enjoy. The other one is Second Life by Hilary Kerr. She set up Who What Where and it's all focused on women who've had their first stage of their careers or businesses, life, and then they, you know, approaching or involved in the second part and how you can change and evolve. And that, again, it's like some really inspirational people. And Superwoman by Rebecca Minkoff. She's a fashion designer in New York. And she, again, all women, either leaders or entrepreneurs or just in career, you know, in their industry. And again, some amazing woman like really inspiring so I kind of after I've listened and like half an hour so I find that I can do that in the car you know on the way to pick up kids or while I'm doing household chores, like hanging laundry it makes things a lot more interesting
1: (laughs) definitely definitely I've got a question for you Donna yes (laughs) have you come across a good Facebook advertising podcast or episode
0: no i haven't we're trying to work out how to link them into the episodes so i think what i'm going to do is do like a q and a episode yeah in between because there's just not a lot of facebook ads ones around no i
1: i was i was googling because as i mentioned earlier i like to do our some of our facebook ads and I was googling trying to find one the other day and got in my car to drive to the Gold Coast. My two year old was sleeping and I was listening, it was a 26 minute episode. Honestly, six minutes were were worthwhile. Like the rest was just waffling. I was like, get to the point. Don't you have kids? Aren't you a working mother? (laughs) Yeah. I just I was like, I don't all this stuff you're saying. Got nothing to do with Facebook ads.
0: <laughs> yes, it's, it's a tricky so, one. So it's something that we're working on trying to link into this one, but I actually don't know of any others that are doing it well. If I find one, I'll send it to you. Well Look, I'm just going to say it's a gap in the market. It is, it is. We wanted to kind of start this podcast with kind of those stories because I didn't want it to be a Donna, a Bright Red Marketing promo. But I want to make sure that we can kind of fill that gap as well. So we'll work it out. I'll let you know.
1: Awesome. Yeah, let me know. I'll be listening for sure.
0: Will do. So if people want to find out more about you guys, how do they find you? So it's
2: lillianlime.com is our store. And on Instagram, we're Lillian Lime Swimwear and Facebook. And then if you come to the site and you're having a shop around, make sure you do our size check if you're in the market for some um, somewhere and if you sign up to get emails from us you'll get a discount off your
0: first order wonderful how does that size check work as someone who is also bigger busted i do need new swimmers how does that work just out of curiosity
2: so um we have an online size check form so whether or we have a calculator which is basically for instant results the form if you fill in you have to take your under bust measurement so there's a video on the page and you take your measurements wearing your best fitting bra that you currently have and you measure your underbust, which is basically near where your underwire sits in the band. And then you do your overbust, which is at nipple height, your fullest part of your bust and you take that measurement. And then you, we ask for things like your current bra size and the brand you're wearing, because often it we can, you know, work it out depending because people also like to wear their bras or Differently, So some people like to wear it, they might be a bigger size or a smaller size, but they either would like to wear it looser or tighter across the back, yeah. etc. So if it's filled in with the form, Brenda, who's our bra architect, she's our technical guru. She actually looks at each and every one of those and will come back to you with an email. And give you recommendations on all of the different styles. And if you've got any queries, like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm breastfeeding or, you know, one boob's bigger than the other or anything like that, she'll be, she'll give you really good tips on what to do or which styles to try. If you use our online calculator, it is obviously, it's just churning out your size based mm-hmm. on, you know, the measurements that you've given us. So if it does seem, like you know way off or something you know you're really shocked and horrified by the size you're getting back definitely get in touch with us because again that's purely based on measurements you know and not your body shape or any other information that you've given it does help to do the form if you've got the time
1: wonderful the more accurate great. recommendation would be via Brenda yeah for sure
0: wonderful I love it well thank you guys for taking the time to speak with us today I really appreciate it. it's been lovely getting to know you both Thank you for, Thank having, you for us. having us. It was lovely. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thank you. Thank you. for listening to the fifth episode of the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. Don't forget, we load all of the links, show notes, full transcripts onto our website. You can find everything at www.brightredmarketing.com.au forward slash show notes forward slash episode five. We'll also pop the link in the episode description as always. If you like the show, I'd love for you to leave a review. We're brand new, so each review helps us to grow our audience, which means we can get more amazing guests for you to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.